When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. This week, of course, we'll be reflecting on the really poor performance at the weekend against Preston, which has seen Bristol City go into this international break in solid mid-table, but inconsistency really, really bad for them at the moment and a really poor performance. We're here from Lee Johnson being very honest about that performance on Saturday at Ashton Gate. We'll hear from Callum Robinson, a Formula One who seems to come back and haunt Bristol City every time he plays them. And Gregor has been getting political on us and has gone and done some research about what Brexit might mean for football and the state of the loan market as well. We're getting highbrow this week. We've got a lecturer on at the end of the podcast. Uh, Gregor, welcome along. Thank you for sitting in the same room as me while I'm full of cold. It's, 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 it's gone now. You won't get man flu. It'll be fine. But you, are you telling me that Lee Johnson has given me this cold? Um, I don't know. I think I think Lee had a bit of a cold, but I've had a bit of a cold. There's something going around, isn't there? You know, right, so. so we can't blame Lee Johnson for the cold. But a lot of fans were blaming him for the performance on Saturday. Now, I wrote in my column last week that a lot of the responsibility for the inconsistency that the players are demonstrating has to lie on their shoulders, not just the managers. He's putting faith in them. He sees something in training. He sends them out there. But who do you attribute blame for for that really lacklustre performance on Saturday afternoon? Like m- most matches, I think the blame is halfway between the manager and the players. And yeah, I like people say to me, "Oh, you won't criticise Lee Johnson." Well, I will criticise Lee Johnson, and I don't think the manager got it right on Saturday. I don't think I can. S- I don't think I can see why he went with three in the middle, and I think that was the right thing to do. Um, sorry, well. It was three at the back, wasn't it? Five across the middle. Well, yeah, it depends how you look at it. It could be five, three, two, or three, five, two. It depends how you look at it. I know what you mean. You're three in the middle. You have Walsh, Pack, and Brownhill as that as that three, and then you have the wingbacks of uh, De Silva and Jack Hunt on the other side. But a lot of criticism. Let's just start at the back in the way he ordered those three central defenders, wasn't it? What did you think of where he put Webster and Baker? Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people criticizing Lee Johnson for putting Webster out wide. Whereas maybe he's more the ball playing um, player, ball playing central defender. So it would have made maybe more sense to put him in the middle as a like aching back to the days of old of having a sweeper. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that that worked. I, I I'm not sure that's a big thing myself. Three in the middle, I thought was the right thing to do. Don't have too many problems there. It was just more the personnel, and a lot of people have. Um, have criticised Lee Johnson for constant changes, constant tinkering, and that—that that is one thing I think that's maybe affecting the team at the moment. I just—he like, doesn't know his best team, does he? So whose fault is that? He, he doesn't. But playing devil's advocate, he would say he gets criticised when he when he doesn't change his team or he doesn't change his tactics, and then he gets criticised when he mm. does. So I just think that. Basically, you, you need a, like a go-to formation, a go-to system. Like and, last year? Yeah, and at this point in time, he needs to know, yeah, that there are times where he's got to default to his strongest team, what he think, thinks is his strongest team. Other times you might play, you might 
shift to adjust to play a, a Brentford or somebody like this or like we saw and play three in the middle because maybe the opposition's midfield is very strong but by and large you've got to have this go-to formation you've got to know your best players and I think by this stage of the season um, he's got a problem in that not enough players have put their hands up to say that they must be picked but he also in his own mind needs to know his best team and I, I think he will do and I, I think he will probably see this against Leeds so but yeah, also, he's spoken spoke yeah. about that, hasn't he, as well, which we'll come on to in just a second. But also, the players have to take some blame as well, because of course. Like, when Nicholas Eliasson came on and he got that first pass to him, do you remember? Um, it was a crossfield ball and he shins it and it goes 10 yards away from him and he loses possession. And Fan, likewise, his first touch was dreadful at times yeah, in the second yeah. half. The ball was just bouncing off him and maybe, I don't know, is that a lack of confidence or is it the players not being focused enough? Um, so yeah something's missing isn't it something's not right we just criticised partly Lee Johnson and partly the players so let's hear from Lee Johnson what he said at the end of the game I ain't got an excuse here I'm not going to sit here and 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 I was upset mate I felt personally hurt because I've signed those players and and our staff as a group and and our media everybody comes in like 7 o'clock we do everything we can feel tart uh, is in at half six in the morning, Scotty Murray, quarter six. Um, I did say that. Don't mean I don't believe in them. I just felt let down that there was no spark and they didn't bring. Do you know what I mean? That's a big result today if we yeah, win that. Pushes us up. You got, you'll have people moaning, of course, and now that's our cause. Yeah. Now we've got to bring that tight together. But um, the truth is, I believe that we've got good players in there. And I think the difficulty is you win four, you lose two, you win two. Do you know what I mean? People are a little bit confused. Of course, partly that's the the question mark on the championship and how it's a tough league. But, like, today it wasn't good enough. I ain't said that often this season. And today it wasn't. Uh, Even Reading, I thought there were some quality bits to our play. But today we looked... Uh, void of confidence we looked uh, void of character ain't enough yeah. home form's not enough like, there's no I'm quite pleased we're away actually for a couple of games now because I think sometimes when you're away you can create that cause you know what I mean at home you can feel like the atmosphere's edgy we've lost four or five players with a song <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I thought I had to put Matty Taylor on because I I knew they had a really good song. And and it's up to the players, of course, to get the fans going, and we didn't today. And and, and that was part of of it, really. Do you know what I mean? We we need to create an atmosphere with our intensity. And um, last year we sat after game in a counter-attack type scenario. We had a lot of speed on the counter. And this year, it's a bit of a different game where we have to build due to the strengths and the weaknesses of our own team. But it doesn't mean that you can't run your hardest. You haven't got to be quick to run your hardest. And uh, that's the bit that hurts because I just thought in transition, um, we was waiting for somebody else to do it. That's Lee Johnson there speaking after the Preston defeat on Saturday. He took, Gregor, I don't know about you, but he took almost an hour to come and do post-match in the tunnel. Uh, I left Ashton Gate. I think you were waiting longer. I left Ashton Gate and got my car at five to six. Normally, I'm getting home at that time from a game. Yeah, I, this is the thing. I think it was a really damaging defeat for him. 
This is he was with Mark Ashton, Steve Lansdale for quite a while, which is normal. Yeah, they do often chat yeah. after games, but yeah, it, it, it did it I did take a while. In, I bumped into them in the corridor before having a post match chat, and yeah, that's that's normal. But I just think this was a damaging defeat for Lee. He he knew they needed to win this game because you look at the fixtures coming up, a couple of away games. He knows well. He knew that this was going to be a big result for him, and it didn't happen. And the, what's more, the performance wasn't there either. In fact. Arguably, it was their one of their worst performances of the season. People have said to me that was the worst they've seen them play. It's not for me. Um, when they were up at Rotherham earlier this season, the first sixty minutes, yeah, but the, the, City that's the thing. Get the first sixty minutes, yeah. I texted you, didn't I? Like at half time, saying mm-hmm. this is awful. Not even a shot on target. Mm-hmm. Worst performance of the season? Question mark. And you said Rotherham, but I was like, yeah, but at the end of the game, at least they showed something. The only thing they showed at the end of the game this time was Josh Brownhill with a decent free kick. This is two. This is two. But all I would say is that. Preston didn't actually create a lot of chances themselves. They dominated the game, No, I would agree arguably, with that. I would agree with that. But if you look at the aftermatch stats, there was only three shots on target for Preston, mm-hmm. one for City. And yeah, just backing you up there, the yeah. XG was 0. Here we go. 0.4 Expected for, goals. Yeah, for the Robins, which is their lowest yeah, total of the so season. Bad. So they were, they were hardly ever going to score, which is not acceptable for a home game. So I can understand the frustration there. And also for City fans... Looking at this as part of a wider malaise, the home form just isn't good enough at the moment. Three wins. I put this to Lee Johnson after after the match. Three wins in in nine games. Yeah, we just games. didn't talk about that. Yeah, is is just not good enough. And yeah, looking at the 2018 form in general, this is some um, some stats I'm going to borrow off uh, yeah. Real Bristol Boy on Twitter, who calculated that they played 38 games in 2018. They've won 10, drawn 11 and lost 17. Oof, so that's not that's a, that's damaging. That's a damaging stat he, for Lee Johnson. He says that's 50 points over a season and yeah, Oof. in some seasons you get relegated with that you point. Do, so you do. Over 2018 it's not been good enough. Yeah, 50 points you'd think would be enough, but some seasons like you say maybe maybe it's not. But Matty Taylor we talk about goals. He said he bought him on because of the song about Matty Taylor. Is that tongue-in-cheek or should we be worried? <laughs> I, I know what Lee's trying to say there. He, he doesn't mean it literally because they've got a song for it, mm. the fans have got a song for him. That's that's what some people have interpreted. He doesn't mean it like that. He means basically that these are... These, these guys have been taken in by the fans and that's because they've got a string of good performances behind them. Mm. Um, they've been adopted by the fans and the fans have come up with a song for them. Um, and it's maybe a, a sign that they've settled at the club a bit more, mm. whereas the newer guys obviously don't have a song so much or maybe they haven't come up with the performances yet. Like I haven't heard one for Marley Watkins, for <laughs> example, or Jada Silva just yet, just for example. Mm. or, or you, So... Yeah, but longer term, maybe they'll get their own songs as well. But it's tongue-in-cheek, he didn't mean it, did he? Because it got no. quite a backlash on social media. No, no, he didn't. That's, yeah, misinterpretation there. So I feel a bit sorry for the head coach there. But it sounds like he's glad to be away. Uh, he was speaking at his com- press conference after that they're glad to be away next time. But the team they're facing, Leeds... Now, I have seen Leeds play this season. And uh, actually, I saw them play Preston. And they were mighty, mighty impressive. But the championship is so, so unpredictable. I'm not saying that Bristol City are going to go there and get a result at the moment because I don't think anyone would put their money on that happening. But Leeds were beaten 4-1 by West Brom before the international break. This league is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't actually be surprised if Bristol City went up there and somehow, like last year, scrambled a draw or something, a decent result. It was on telly that one, wasn't it? I remember, Yeah. yeah. 
2-0 up, weren't they? 2-2 two, two finished. Yeah, yeah, they lost the lead. They were probably a little bit lucky to hang on, weren't they? Because mm. Leeds hit the crossbar and were all over them in the final 10 minutes. But yeah, I, I could maybe see that happening again. On the other hand, they could just lose and that would be bad. What for? Oh, gosh, yeah. When, do, when does it start getting tricky for Lee Johnson? Because you and I have both had uh, people come to us on social media and say not the nicest things that, you know, basically we're, we're trying to brown nose Lee Johnson, which isn't the case. Obviously, we do need to have some sort of relationship uh, with him because we speak to him week in, week out. But that doesn't mean that we think he's immune from criticism. But when does it get to the point where people are seriously questioning his job? Are we a long way off that? Um, I, I, I think it's probably worth pointing out first of all that I'm not a Bristol City fan so I look at this differently to a lot of the fans obviously and I do understand where they're coming from a little bit in that look at that stat look at the stat we just went through a few minutes ago yeah but also longer term than that if you look at three years of Lee Johnson or I think that's how long roughly he's been there then yeah you've got also that record run of defeats across the winter a couple of years ago and he survived that yeah the 2018 form um, so I can understand the frustrations. However, looking at this from my, like I would hope, sort of detached kind of angle, maybe mm-hmm. that's being a bit unfair, but I just think ultimately Bristol City, what, are 13th in the league table. They lost their three best players in the summer. We look at their wage levels, which dictates roughly in football where you should finish, and not always. And um, people always say to me, oh, well, look at Huddersfield, look at Bournemouth, look how they did it, you know, and they didn't have big wage bills either. No, but what you find is... philosophy. Yeah, what you find is, though, um, what they call regression to the mean, that over the longer term, these clubs will drop back unless they invest. Mm. And they did, but once they got up to the Premier League. Um, and that, just on a tangent, that's why we're seeing Man United, I think, struggle a little bit this season oh, really? because they weren't so good last season performance-wise. There was a lot of indicators behind the scenes Spent enough money, from the stats that they, they basically overperformed last year, yeah. underperforming this year. But anyway, yeah, so um, basically Bristol City's natural place in the pecking order is, at the moment, mid-table in the Championship. We said this at the beginning of the season. That's what I, we expect them to do. Yeah, finish. and I would not, I, would, I don't change my opinion on that being the case now. That, you that don't think right. there'll be any danger? No, but, okay, that's another point. Yeah, this is probably a key time for Lee Johnson in terms of... if This is where it could all go wrong. Yeah, if they keep slipping down the table, then I do think... Well, I know that the Lansdowns are ambitious. They've said it before themselves. Um, They do want success at Bristol City. They're not going to settle for just staying in the Championship. They want to try and get up to the Premier League. Um, and yeah, at some point there would be a decision to make. But I do think we're quite a long way away from that. Yeah, definitely. But I have to say, this is the first time on this podcast, this is our 51st episode. And for the first time, going into the Leeds game after the international break, I just don't see Bristol City going there and, and doing anything. Given the performances we've seen recently, you know, I'd say over the last year, there's always been something to get excited about. But right now, as... Lee Johnson said in his presser, they look void of a lot of things. What's it going to take to change this? Yeah, I think one of the big problems is goal scoring. And, yeah, strangely, for the first time in, what, those three, four seasons, Lee Johnson is... There isn't the goal scorer. Yeah, there isn't a goal scorer. And I do think Fam has got it in him. (laughs) We know he has. We know he's got it in him. Because we saw him with some flashes of brilliance last season. But I would... I'd be hesitant to say that you should never boost someone off because you pay your money to go and watch football. 
but it cannot help to have your own fans turn on you. And not everyone by any means, but the boos often seem the loudest. And that's what happened. He always got... His substitution, the announcement that he was coming off on Saturday afternoon was ironically cheered by the fans, wasn't it? It was, and yeah. Some fans, some fans. It seems to be that everybody wanted Matty Taylor to come on, and I do like Matty Taylor, and maybe he... It's a difficult one. Maybe he does deserve a run in the side with... And, well... Either alongside, either alongside Deji or Vyman. But, yeah, it's tough. You can't play them all and... Yeah. I mean, you and I are umming and ahhing here about what you do. Mm. It's even harder for Lee Johnson, isn't it? But he does see them week in and week out in training. So he must be seeing something. Absolutely. I, I think he's got to get his goal scorers firing. I mean, the other thing is, I think... I've said this a couple of times, but I just think Watkins and Patterson have got a goal-scoring pedigree behind them, and mm. I'm not sure that the other guys do. So in this situation, I would be turning to those guys. I think O'Dowd has got goal-scoring pedigree. But he's, he's scored he's, a few worldies. He, yeah, but he's never scored more than like three in a season or mm. something, has he? Mm. But he's still young. Well, uh, let's hear from a man who is, it seems, a constant thorn in Bristol City's side. Uh, Callum Robinson scored the only goal of the game for Preston on Saturday afternoon. And here's what he said in the press mixed area after. Yeah, I think it was probably one of the one of my best loans as in learning. Because um, as I said, coming through Aston Villa, I was always playing um, ages up and always being wanted and, and playing uh, for England and getting picked and coming here um, getting that feeling of not being wanted um, really um, and not playing games and sitting in the stand for three four months um, I learned a lot off the pitch and it, it made me stronger and, and now when you're playing in a team you know uh, you don't want to be uh, in the stands catching a cold so uh, Did you feel you should have had more opportunities here? Um, yeah I definitely do I think I believed in my ability back then I think I'm a better player now but I still think that I could have been effective in the team I just I think I had a, a lack of uh, chances and and just didn't didn't really believe in believe in me, which is obviously football is. Points approved, isn't it? Yeah, every time um, I play football, it's a, a points approved. But it's obviously nice to come here and, and get a goal. It's just part of obviously football, and um, I obviously always give 110 percent, and I've done the same today. And so every Saturday, I want to I want to score, I want to do well, and play well, and, and work hard for the team, and. Uh, You'd say, yeah, every footballer would say you have an extra 10% when you go back to your old, um, well, to an old team um, or a team that you've played for, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a good one. When the fans, I couldn't could understand why the fans sort of drew your first, first touch. I thought that must have given you an extra 10%. Yeah. Like, so there's only 20%. Yeah, I, to be fair, I don't really know why there was at me from the start because I, I hardly, uh, hardly played... Um, I didn't play a lot of games uh, as I said I think there were seven games and most were off the bench for a few minutes so, uh, but it's one of them where um, they they obviously did give me a little bit and I give a bit back yeah it's a lovely stadium isn't it <laughs> it's lovely <laughs> nah it's uh, yeah it's uh, it's one of them I don't know how it happens but I seem to always score here and, and it's the main thing as I said it's good that We've come here and I've scored, but we've won games here as well. That's the main thing. Sometimes when you score and we lose, it's not, it don't mean nothing. But it's nice that I've obviously been getting some goals here and, and we've been get, coming here and getting results. And hopefully that can start our um, away form now. It was Callum Robinson talking to us after the game on Saturday, which he scored the winning goal, as he said there. You know, there's something about Bristol City always scores against them. But when he made just over a handful of appearance for Bristol City, he couldn't score, Gregor. 
Yeah, it didn't work out for him, did it, under Steve Cottrell and really great little interview with him, actually. Very honest and funny to hear him say that, yeah, he learnt so much when he was at Bristol City, even though he wasn't playing. And mainly that he That was under Steve Cottrell. Yeah, mainly they didn't want to be sat in the stands, to paraphrase him, um, catching a cold. Wow. So <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, now he's, I think he's, well, he's undoubtedly having a really great season at, at Preston. And he's probably um, one of the, maybe this is a bit strong, but he's, he's up there for contention for one of the best forward players of this season. He's certainly developed very nicely. Seven goals in 16 games, and he's a little bit like... One of the ones who got away for Bristol City. And in, when you looked at him playing sort of on Saturday afternoon, do you think there was anything from the Bristol City fans that was giving them a reason to be a bit niggly against him? Uh, no, no, well... Because he said he didn't know why. Just that he's got this terrific record of scoring and doing things against Bristol City. Um, he obviously got the winning goal Saturday, he got... What was effectively the winning goal last season, it was the second goal for Preston North End when they won 2-1 there. He scored the winning goal in 2014 at Ashton Gate. He scored two goals um, up at Deepdale a couple of years ago when Bristol City lost 5-0 there. He got an assist at Ashton Gate for one of the goals when they won 2-1. Always, always. Yeah, exactly. He's a real... I, I wrote about this yesterday in my headline. He's the real scourge of Bristol City and... He just loves playing here, unfortunately, and it was so funny him saying how much he, he how how it's such a great stadium, Ashton Gate Stadium, for him. Um, but he's doing well at Preston, and Preston's suddenly picking up, aren't they? And Alex Neal said it was the complete away performance. Would you agree with that for Preston? Yeah, I have to say I was really impressed by Preston, and I cannot so organised. Yeah, cannot understand how they are so. It's far a false down position, isn't it? Yeah, and. Again, I wrote about this yesterday, it's probably worth reiterating. If Bristol City fans are a bit peeved about the Preston North End situation, then take some solace in that Preston North End fans are peeved about their performances against Ipswich Town, who they always seem to draw or lose against. That's their bogey side. There's always one of them. One. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they've beaten them since 2014. And there was reference to this in the press conference after the game. So it's all swings and roundabouts. Well, let's look at Bristol City's upcoming uh, fixtures just before we move on to something that is quite highbrow for us, um, Greg, all that you've sorted out. So Leeds we've talked about. It, let me just say some some club names to you, OK? Um, they're sort of not at the end of t- the table that Bristol City would want to have to worry about, but suddenly they might have to. Ipswich, Millwall, Birmingham are right next to them, all coming up in the next couple of games. A few months ago, you would have looked at those fixtures on paper, especially Ipswich, Millwall and Birmingham and thinking, oh, okay, real chance to get some points there. But it's just not that way now, is it? No, and sometimes I actually think Bristol City play better against the the, the bigger teams. Or the oh, well, teams, that's all right, because in, in the next month they've got um, Norwich, Derby yeah. and, of course, Leeds first. So that, that's okay then. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Who knows? Who knows, you know? Last year they got some good results against those sides. Obviously, Drew at Leeds, Drew at Derby, Drew at Norwich, actually, as well. So maybe they can do the same again. Okay, um, we're going to tell you about a special guest we've got on the podcast shortly next week. But uh, first, Gregor, you've been speaking to a lecturer and this is some highbrow stuff, but really worth listening to. Can you explain a bit more for me? Yeah, I've been speaking to Dr Dan Parnell. He is at the Manchester Metropolitan University and basically he's a, a specialist in football finance and uh, football as a business and an industry and basically I've been asking him about the likely effects on 
on football of Brexit, and in particular because there were proposals this week that have been mooted in, I think the Times has been reporting, saying that they're looking to increase the quota of homegrown, as they say, players to play more often this season, rise it up from the current level. I think it's eight in a squad to somewhere like 12 or 13 maybe. And yeah, whether that would then filter on and have an effect on the EFL and basically what kind of position Bristol City might be in. Okay, Gregor, let's uh, hear just a little excerpt of this chat. Oh, just before we start, I do want to add in that just to um, basically paraphrase Dan, there's a couple of significant points about Brexit in that he sees there being an effect on transfers, an Mm -hmm. effect on uh, minors in the game, Mm -hmm. players under 18, and also loans. And loans is the big one because I particularly think that that could affect Bristol City. Massively. Okay, let's uh, hear some of your chat. And Bristol City have... um, over the last year or so, have taken a lot more players on loan from the Premier League, um, high-profile ones from Chelsea, and they've been they've they've spoken quite um, uh, openly about how they they see that as an, a key part of their future going forward. Um, basically, striking up good relationships with the very top clubs and taking players on loan. Um, do you think this? They, but actually, I should say at the same time, they're also very keen to promote from within their academy. Uh, and they have had some good young talents coming through um, over the recent years. They sold a couple in the summer for some big money and they've got a few guys coming through at the moment. In, in fact, the England under-20s captain is one. Um, I just wondered if you thought by extension it would affect how it would affect the EFL and whether a club like Bristol City might be in a worse or better position or m- maybe that's a bit too strong. Okay. I think it's a, a, fair, a fair question. Club, first off, clubs like Chelsea... Um, may not feel feel a full force of Brexit. Uh, clubs like Chelsea produce a ton of talent and they rely on the on the loan programme to help turn the talent that they produce into an an, an asset that they can commercially uh, use. If, for example, we had to rely on more homegrown players, there may be a number of players from Chelsea that do carry on through to the first team. I personally can't see that that happens happening too much so each year there will still be an abundance of talents left in Premier League clubs that need to find viable opportunities to go out and play each Premier League club um, are currently becoming more attuned and more aware of the benefits of the loan programme so the loan programme itself gives an opportunity for the Premier League clubs to help their players get towards what is a a general target of 100 competitive games and where many are um, many are disappointed and not satisfied with the under 23 programme in terms of providing them a genuine competitive games programme that will challenge players and prepare them for the Premier League they're relying on the loan programme so in, within the next, next, next five years I can see um, the loan programme definitely remaining a cornerstone for Premier League clubs and I can see it growing especially um, especially internally just within England and across leagues I expect um, and I'm aware that there's conversations at an international and national level to make sure that we can um, capitalise on the loan programme and the loan opportunities within England and nationally to make sure players get the best opportunity and, and to develop their own talent uh, for us to develop their talent through certain pathways I think loans are going to be a huge part of that 
So I expect I expect things to be all right for for Bristol taking players from Chelsea for at least the next five years. Um, and as things evolve, I'm sure strategies will evolve and recruitment strategies will evolve and several team situations and relationships between clubs. Just just finally, I mean. Uh... I wondered if I could draw your opinion about those um, you mentioned earlier on about how there might be like a work permit situation if if the clubs don't agree to these um, proposals that were reported this week about um, extending the number of players in squads to uh, 12 or 13 um, um, homegrown players, essentially. Um, if, if that isn't agreed and they then have to have basically extend the work permit situation. So, like you said, um, all players from outside uh, Britain have to then um, get a work permit as if they were coming from outside the EU currently. Um, Do you think that would... I mean, there's, there's going to be a huge amount of bureaucracy then if that takes place. And do you think that might uh, they might streamline that streamline that process? Um, do you know if that's been talked about at all, or or or? And do you think it'll limit the amount of imports as as a result? I think so. That is a complete worst case scenario. And um, and personally, I think more broadly about the relationship between the Premier League and different influential stakeholders in, in Brexit. Um, the Premier League not only are, is, a, is a, a huge vital asset for the, for the UK economy, but also for projecting the brand of um, sorry, the England, English economy, but also projecting the brand, the brand of, of England globally. Um, that aside, within the communities, they invest a lot of um, funding each year. And although they receive a lot of criticism, they still do a lot of work in line with the governments um, that contribute their funding into local communities and corporate social responsibility projects. Um, I imagine as some of the challenges face Premier League clubs, the Premier Leagues will push back as well and highlight the impact of the leagues, their contribution to the economy and the risk that made face and the trickle down for people within clubs, within for players and whatnot. So I personally can't see it happen as um, as clean cut as a no deal and players are going to be left in players and clubs will be left in seriously but I don't think that will happen. That was Dan Parnell and he's a lecturer, he's a doctor uh, and he was talking to Gregor about the impact of the loan market and what Brexit could do to football. There's going to be a big piece in the Bristol Post about this, which Gregor was working on. I look forward to seeing that. Gregor, just before we go finally, something that's also quite political is some of the championship um, teams and clubs disagreeing about a few things at the moment to do with rights and television and a possible breakaway. Is this really going to happen? And can you just give us some context over uh, what's been happening this last week or so? Yeah, all the big issues this week. No no stones on <laughs> This is like, what is it, news night? I don't watch that, but, you know, I'll pretend I do. Basically, yeah, we, we have to... Um, tackle this one it's in the papers at the moment there's um, a big story in several of the broadsheets today it was in um, I think the sun yesterday and basically as I understand it the EFL have agreed a new TV deal with Sky Sports to run from 2019 to 2024 and that is on the table at the moment and apparently the clubs are going to um, going to Raking raking 119 million pounds in total. This is from a, TV rights. From TV rights, yeah. This is a quite a, a good increase from 
88 million, which the current deal is, which one's out next season. So 88 million going up to 119 million. However, 16 championship clubs have got together and said that they that they want to delay this new deal coming into effect because they want to take the tendering process back to market, i.e. they want to see if they can get a better deal. Wow. Um, so, yeah, the ringleader, according to the reports, is Andrea Radrizzani, if I pronounce that right, I don't think I have. The Leeds United owner, obviously, he's behind the um, 11 um, broadcasting house at the moment who have the rights to yep. some of the foreign leagues. And Mel Morris of Derby County and these guys apparently just want to survey the scene. And apparently Bristol City aren't one of those 16 clubs who are basically in talks about what to do next. There has been the suggestion of a Premier League too, so you might have seen some headlines about Mm -hmm. this. And basically from the reports I've read, it sounds like the next week is crucial Mm -hmm. and that obviously Sky Sports have got the deal and I think they've maybe given the leeway until next Sunday, I think is the, the report I've read has said, and then a decision will have to be made. Um, and yeah, obviously this has affects everybody in the EFL, but particularly the championship clubs at the top end, um, because they, exactly they, they, <laughs> they feel they can get more money elsewhere. I'm not sure from what I've read if that is the case. So yeah, it, and if you it's ask me... It is. If you ask me, then... Basically, I don't think anything will will change here. I think this deal is going to go through because ultimately, on the face of it, it looks a good increase. Maybe there's um maybe there's a question mark over the length of the deal. It's five years, wasn't it? Yeah, but maybe there's some talk to be had there. But mm. basically, this is one for us to keep an eye on. And um, wow, Gregor, I feel like you've gone from a football correspondent to something very, very much more highbrow. Um, Right, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll run the rule, or Gregor will, over how the players have fared on international duty. There's a few away, including Lloyd Kelly and Jada Silva with the England under-21s right now. And we've got a guest for you as well who are really looking forward to speaking to. So join us then. Thank you for listening. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. Robin's on the wire.